Hi, lovely listeners. It's Dyson here. Just wanted to jump in ahead of today's episode to let you know that it's going to be a two-parter. We kind of jumped down a information rabbit hole. And by we, I mean Brianna, because she's the (laughs) backbone of this entire podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to let you know that you can tune in for the second part of this story next week. Cue the booze and the episode. Welcome back to the dark side. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. Episode 50 of Dark Adaptation. Big 5-0. Craziness. The big boomer generation of episodes. <laughs> if you're 50, I don't think you're a boomer. The big Gen X. Yeah. Forgotten generation of the episodes. <laughs> my parents are Gen X and my dad is like 50, so I don't think he's a boomer. <laughs> Yeah, the big I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about (laughs) section of episodes. That is aka the millennials. The fuck are we talking about? Who do we think we are? Yeah. What is a Snapchat? What? (laughs) Never heard of it. Is that the the one with the little ghost? Yeah. (laughs) No, I was just feeding into it. Oh, Oh, okay. I mean, I have a Snapchat account, but I used it once or something. Could I tell you what it is? No. Despite people, friends of mine who've been snapping me, like, she's the worst. <laughs> so was, was it, when that first came out, people were like, yeah, you, you take, like, you reply with video and pictures. And I was like, I downloaded it. Someone did that. I was like, absolutely not. Oh, Everyone looks like assholes. <laughs> it's true. Like, <laughs> Someone's, someone always does the, like, lean back too far from their phone with the, like, peace sign up and then, like, a dumb face. And then it says something, like, stupid, like, just fed my cat. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I just wanted to reply back with text messages or something, but you can't. I don't even want to text people. <laughs> I'm so I, bad at it. I generally just receive texts, make a mental note that I received it, and move on with my life. I do the same thing, but I do intend to reply, but I just don't. And then I'll like go on my phone like four hours later, and that's quick for me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm. I forgot to respond to this. Unless I'm on my phone, and it comes in as I'm on my phone, then like you're screwed otherwise because i'll just pick it up and be like oh that's a text and i'll read it and be like right on and then put it down yeah and then i'm like fuck i think you have to you have my face to look forward to because i used to be like that (laughs) and now i just kind of despise anyone who texts me because how dare you put me into this social situation (laughs) i have i fucking hate you for it and i'm not responding to you and i hope you get upset about it because you started this he says clutching a bottle of wine as he uncorks it to swig right from the bottle 
I think that picked up. That was nice. Mm-hmm. That was nice. What mm-hmm. are you drinking? Red. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Apothic red. My favorite. Yeah. Apothic red. A, what is it? A cab. Is it a blend? It might be a blend, but it's delicious. I'm sure it's a blend. It's a little bit sweet, but it's still got that really like, oh, that punch of like, this is definitely a red wine. Yeah, the Eddie Vedder approved, I think. Oh, is he a wine connoisseur? He just drinks straight from the bottle during shows. Good. That's my kind of man. <laughs> yeah, he goes through a fuck ton of bottles, too. I love that. Yeah. And I, I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan, but I would still appreciate seeing them live. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, huge is in, I'm just someone who's very surface level. Like, oh, that played on the radio. I know that song. Mm-hmm. Even though I love 90s music. Just never been huge into Pearl Jam. Yeah. Maybe that day will come. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone wants to. Who was the one who did fucking patio lanterns? I don't know because you already did this to me, and I was like, "Isn't it tragically hip?" And you were like, "No, it isn't." Oh. And and I was like, well, "I don't fucking know then." But they're on the same fucking yeah. Tragically hip is on the same fucking note for me. But I remember having a conversation when I was in my like late teens with someone who was in their Kim like Mitchell. Mid- yeah. And someone was in their like mid to late twenties at the time, and I was like, "Man, I fucking can't stand patio lanterns, and it's everywhere." And he gave me the, "Just wait till you're older, you'll get you'll get it." Kind of spiel. And oh. now I'm I'm at that age. I'm at his age when he told me that. And you know what, Jeremy, dog shit. It's <laughs> fucking dog shit. Okay, <laughs> patio lanterns is some nonsensical bullshit. And how dare you make me wait this long in order to justify saying that well jeremy do you think jeremy listens (laughs) absolutely not no i was like what am i gonna say here and then i was looking at my notes and i realized i spelled something really weird and then i forgot what i was gonna say to jeremy okay good good spiel good spiel yeah the wine is delicious Mm -hmm. and jeremy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about yeah um, I gotta start this episode off with an ep- an episode. <laughs> Jesus, we're gonna start this episode with an episode, an update. Oh, an, an L Nas update. Oh shit. Hmm. I'm going on to Instagram where I had posted um screenshots of the article. So this is from a CBC article, and this was an update that was given, I believe, on Thursday. And it was on the one-year anniversary that Elnaz has been missing. And the OPP gave a case update. And the first thing they said is that they are offering a $100,000 reward for information. Um, just any information that pertains to Elnaz, her location, information about the abduction, literally anything that mm-hmm. pertains to her case. And... The reward is being offered through a joint effort by the OPP and the York Regional Police. So the OPP is Ontario Provincial Police. And because she is from the Toronto area, but she disappeared from Wasaga Beach and God knows where she went from there. So it's province-wide, a province-wide investigation with the York Regional Police. York is a part of Toronto. Mm Mm-hmm. You know this, I know this, but just in case you're not from this area. Um, 
They also released police sketches. Honestly, I don't know how helpful they will be because it's two men (laughs) with balaclavas on. Yeah. And I guess it's helpful because it has a pretty good like shape of their eyes, their heads. But I mean, (sighs) yeah, it just (laughs) it's better than nothing. But also like, what the I don't know. Yeah. If you know someone that has a more thin, tall head or someone who has a squashed head. I guess. <laughs> it's exactly how I remember looking at them. It's exactly the same thing. I'm like, one's got a. It's like if Bert and Ernie and... were wearing balaclavas. It really is, actually. Yeah, that's pretty much the mm-hmm. key. And let me see here. Yeah, that's what they said when they gave the update. The, um, I think he was the police chief or like the senior inspector. He said that. Uh, <laughs> Though the images are limited due to the suspects wearing masks, please look closely at their eyes and their features because someone knows these men. Um, all three wore dark jackets over fake police vests and balaclavas with white trim that they pulled over their noses and mouths. And they also had fake police badges chained around their necks. And that's the update. $100,000 reward. Here's a police sketch of two dudes in balaclavas yeah and that's fucking hard man that's the update that came out on the one year anniversary that she's been missing which is wild Mm -hmm. and i've been watching it obviously closely because this case is just wild to me and even the dude that from the opp that gave that statement said like he's never seen a case like this it's very disturbing because she just is abducted from her home that way yeah and it's just so I, I don't want to use the word sophisticated as if a bunch of fucking yahoos showing walking around with balaclavas and a fucking fake badge is sophisticated, but mm-hmm. like I know what you mean. The yeah, the way it's carried out, it's is obviously organized. premeditated. It's obviously been thought out. Yeah, it's very definition organized. And like crime, so, um, if you're tuning in for the first time, um, hello, <laughs> but we covered this in episode eleven which is crazy. One of our first episodes, episode 11. Mm -hmm. And even though we're on episode 50 now, episode 11 came out like nine months ago, but it's still, it's all accurate. And since that episode coming out, there really isn't much information on top of that other than the two men. From the um, initial attack. Risayat and Harshdeep, I believe is their names. Yeah. They were in the parking garage attack. They got arrested for that. But mm-hmm. and then this update, like there really hasn't been anything else. And her ex boyfriend in custody as well. But there's no update from him. Like he just yeah, says for, he like, didn't do anything and he just fights for better lawyers and all that stuff. He just Yeah, is he even charged with the disappearance or is he no. charged with um something prior to that, right? Yeah, the attack. The attack yeah. on her. Yeah. But Again, who knows what they know behind the scenes. It took a year to give an update about a reward and some, I'm sorry, but pretty lame police sketches. They're all, you know what? Like, yeah, but, there's like some that are passable, but like most of them are shit. And this is the shit of the shit. 
The only thing that they're wearing balaclavas. Yeah, the only thing that might be helpful is the fact that they said the balaclavas have white trim on them, which I've never seen. So maybe that is something unique if mm-hmm. people were selling a balaclava like that or Not saw. That the sketch fucking showed that in any way because no, I fucking looked at the pictures and didn't read the description. Yeah, it's not even in the description of the photo. You have to read the article. Yeah. And then to know they had fake police badges around and that they weren't wearing police gear. They were wearing gear that kind of looks like they're trying to imitate law enforcement in some yeah, way. Like, like pseudo tactical. Yeah. Gear, like <laughs> fucking turtlenecks and black sweaters oh, sort of shit. Yeah. So I guess that part is helpful if you were somebody that saw that sort of clothing or sold it for some reason. I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's the update. Thanks. And uh, we'll ke- I'll keep updating. I always post on Instagram, so Dark Adaptation Podcast at Instagram there. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, we get more info. Hopefully, someone comes forward. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just something better than what has <laughs> come out so far. Yeah. And that's an update on one missing person that we follow closely. This episode is about a different missing person. Okay. So, I don't know. I guess thematic. Are you ready to hear about the disappearance of Phoenix Colden? I am. Okay. On. Oh, so I thought you were, you were pausing it. <laughs> no, I was clicking save. <laughs> I do that reflexively. I don't even realize I'm doing it, but it's just to make sure we don't ever get stuck in a situation where it cuts out mm-hmm. and then we're about an hour behind. Uh, like an hour lost. I always like... hit save every so often. Are you ready to hear about this case? Mm-hmm, I am. And I thought you were pushing a button like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just stops it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. On December 18th, 2011, 23-year-old Phoenix Colden was sitting in her black 1998 Chevy Blazer in the driveway of her parents' home in Spanish Lake, Missouri. Her father looked out the window and saw her in the car talking on her cell phone before she quickly drove off without a word to her parents and never returned. Her parents reported her missing the next day and put their trust in law enforcement, but no solid leads or evidence was found. And her strange and sudden disappearance leaves more questions than answers. The investigation uncovered Phoenix had secrets and her family worried these secrets contributed to her disappearance. Family and friends are hopeful she is still alive, but the case has gone cold and to this day, no trace of Phoenix has been found. So we'll start this off by getting to know who Phoenix is. I'll just introduce her a bit, talk a little bit about her life, upbringing, all of that, just to paint a picture, because obviously it's all important. Mm -hmm. Also, just a side note, I fucking love the name Phoenix. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. That's a... (laughs) Whoops. Got all worked up. My mom's dog's name is Phoenix. Yeah, it's a great name. It's really, really cute. She's cute. Yeah. She's cute. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, as in the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom has two dogs, and um, the one dog, Jax, because I had him, like, we've had him for years, and I lived at home when we got him as a puppy. Mm-hmm. So he obviously knows me really well. So when my mom listens to the podcast, he listens and he knows my voice. 
And he'll like kind of look around like, where is she? Yeah, he probably like, does that weird like, you know, when dogs like they tilt their head. Oh my God, I love he's that. He's got giant floppy ears. Mm-hmm. So that's adorable. Yeah. And then Phoenix just doesn't care because <laughs> she's like, whatever, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> but Jax listens. It's the sweetest poopy doo. Okay. Anyway, this is about Phoenix is in Phoenix Colden. So Phoenix Lucille Reeves was born May 23rd, 1988. She is an only child and grew up in Bakersfield, California. Her mother, another great name here, Goldia. Mm-hmm. I love that name. Married Lawrence Colden, who adopted Phoenix and Phoenix's last name changed from Reeves to Colden. She was homeschooled on and off as a child. She attended school from kindergarten to the second grade, and then she was homeschooled in third grade. And then from the fourth and fifth grade, she attended the Nazarene Christian School. When she was around 10 or 11, she and her family moved to Missouri for her father's job, and together they all lived in St. Louis, Missouri. So living in St. Louis, Phoenix was homeschooled from sixth grade through high school, and she lived a pretty sheltered life. Her mother believes that you have to keep your children busy and have them be involved in different activities outside the home. So Phoenix took ballet lessons. She was a junior fencing champion, and she plays several instruments, including the guitar, violin, and piano, which she started playing at six. Okay. Um, the fencing thing, I was like, that's so random. And in an interview I watched with Goldia, um, she said that if you homeschool a kid, there's like a homeschool association. Mm-hmm. So you can go to meetings. And at one of these meetings in St. Louis, she met a fencing coach and was just talking to her. And Phoenix was just like, hey, that sounds cool. I, I want to do that. Can I give it a try? Oh, nice. So she did. And she was really good at it. Oh, nice. That's I love when there's like when there's that combination of like mental and physical like activities mm-hmm. like that that's a perfect combo like music to begin with is always just so engaging especially yeah. at a young age and then to get these like interesting physical activities as well like that's just same with ballet yeah so like that's just setting you up for like a great life like because you you learn so much and appreciate so much from both those aspects the Mm -hmm. physical and the mental like music is hard yes it is it's it's a very difficult thing but it teaches like critical thinking and then to kind of mesh that with the physical especially in like an art form type physical like like dance or fencing Mm -hmm. it's you know it's just it's gonna it's gonna make you a really well-rounded individual yeah exactly yeah and and phoenix seems to be a really well-rounded person uh, definitely very intelligent. So the family, they were a very like religious family and they attended church on Sundays and Phoenix liked to sing in the choir, play piano and help with activities at the church and stuff. She's, she's pretty involved. So she sings on top of all of the instruments she plays. Mm-hmm. After high school, Phoenix and Goldia looked at a bunch of different colleges and universities and Phoenix settled on dallas baptist university when um her and her mom went there she was like in love with the campus and the atmosphere and she was really excited plus she had been homeschooled at that point since the sixth grade so she was really looking forward to getting out of missouri going to dallas and attending this university Mm 
So um, Goldia was pumped too. So together they like went shopping. They prepped for this like really exciting chapter in Phoenix's life. But then Goldia's plans, sorry, Phoenix's plans changed because Goldia had a heart attack. So Goldia was adamant that Phoenix continue with her plans to go to university. It was already all set up. She was excited for her daughter. She wanted her to go. But Phoenix didn't want to leave her alone in Missouri because Lawrence worked between California and Missouri and wasn't home that often. And this is a really tight-knit family. It's pretty much just the three of them. Mm -hmm. And so Phoenix was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to university. I'm staying here with you. So then after Goldia recovered, Phoenix decided that she would enroll at a university closer to home, and she chose the Missouri Baptist University instead of the Dallas one. Okay. And whereas Dallas is in Texas, the Missouri Baptist University is only like 20 minutes away, so like 15 miles. So like she could still live at home and, yeah. and go to school. At school, she was an amazing student. She was on the honor roll. She excelled at literally anything she did. Again, going back to how like intelligent she is, well-rounded. Mm-hmm. By 2011, she was a 23-year-old woman and a junior at Missouri Baptist University. And people close to her describe her as very funny, beautiful, educated, smart, and obviously talented. Um. Her mom said that Phoenix has like really weird talents. One of them is that she's able to spell entire sentences backwards. Mm. Yeah, she can just just bang it out backwards. Oh, I wonder if that's because she has like a really good visual memory. Probably. And she can just like, I think that is it actually like a photographic memory because um, Goldia said that from a young age, she showed that she could perfectly replicate complicated things. So she would just kind of sit back and like really keenly observe what was happening. And then she could perfectly execute it. So it was anything from like songs on the piano, fencing moves, um, even voices. Like she could perfectly do imitations of voices. Okay. So like. Yeah. So like. Really cool. Yeah. She's just able to take mental snapshots Mm -hmm. that's cool and goldia said that that's where it comes in that she's so funny because she would do like all kinds of voices like um really girly like valley girl voices or like the stereotypical like ghetto voice Mm -hmm. and goldia was like it's my favorite thing ever it cracks me up (laughs) so even though phoenix is obviously this very amazing person What those around her didn't know until after she disappeared is that she was keeping some secrets, mainly from her parents. So just as an example, the first secret here is that after she turned 18, Phoenix convinced her parents to co-sign on an apartment lease so that she could move out of the family's home and go and live with what she said was just like a girlfriend. And that friend actually turned out to be her boyfriend, who her parents didn't even know existed, had no idea she was dating anybody, and they wouldn't have agreed to let her move in with a man that they've never even met. Mm -hmm. And after she disappeared, there was more secrets that came out, but kind of getting ahead of ourselves. So let's talk about the disappearance. Okay. So as I said in our little intro there, it was Sunday, December 18th, 2011, and Phoenix was at home 
at her parents' house in Spanish Lake, Missouri. And most of what I'm going to say here about the disappearance uh, comes directly from Goldia. Okay. So uh, Lawrence and Goldia had been really reliant on Phoenix recently for transportation because their car had been in the shop forever. So that Sunday, December 18th, Goldia and Phoenix went to church together. On the way there, Phoenix talked to somebody on her cell phone. Goldia doesn't know who it was, but it was pretty brief. They arrived at the church early because Phoenix had to practice the handbell for the choir. While Phoenix practiced, Goldia went to deliver some Mary Kay products and arrived back at the church in time to see Phoenix play in the choir. After the handbell choir ended, the worship started, and Goldia's just sitting there in, in like the sanctuary. She's, she's looking at the choir stands in the section of the church where Phoenix should be sitting, but she doesn't see Phoenix anywhere. So she's kind of looking around like, well, where would Phoenix be? She always sits over there. And then Goldia said that she got that feeling like when someone is watching you. So she turns over her left shoulder and she sees Phoenix sitting there two pews back, just smiling at her. Okay. And Goldia like smiles back, I assume, and turns back, faces forward. She looks at a cross at the front of the church behind the pastor and said, thank you, Jesus. She's coming back. And Goldia says that she did this because Phoenix had been distancing herself from from her for a while. She said that, quote, we used to sit side by side on the same pew. Then she inched away. Then she was in the pew behind me, then two pews behind me, and then all of a sudden she was sitting on total opposite side of the sanctuary. But that Sunday, she was two pews behind me. Okay. <laughs> right. I can see the, the, the like gears just turning in your head like, hmm, what do I make of this? Yeah, I know, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I have, I, growing up, I was at church. Oh. Um. It's just odd to me, you know. Yeah, yeah. just that it's it, it's odd on all fronts that Goldia, obviously a family this close, especially Goldia and Phoenix, who's been homeschooled since she's like twelve. Mm-hmm. They're inseparable. They do everything together. But Phoenix is getting older. She's going to university. She starts distancing herself. Yeah, probably just trying to gain some independence. And maybe Goldia was in Phoenix's eyes overbearing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then this is. Again, we're we're recounting the day that she disappears, and all of a sudden she's sitting right there. Yeah, I just I don't know what what I'm just caught up on is like I I know homeschool like it makes gaining friends outside of school often. I'm not saying this is the case specifically here, but gaining friends outside of homeschooling is difficult because a lot of your peers are your become your friends in conventional schooling. Mm-hmm like almost all of them so you rely on extracurricular and that is so much harder but what i'm really hung up on is if i was not sitting with someone i came to church with i would be sitting with a friend that's true oh i never thought of that so what the hell is that that that's the only thing in my brain where i'm like it's not like she just you know, sitting away 
and she's not and then just but if you're con- like if you're doing that once and it's maybe after a spat okay if you're continuously doing that you're maybe you know, choosing to sit with someone else yeah especially if and it's she's random. not sitting in the church where the choir is sitting because they have their section off to the side at the front yeah. which is where goldia was looking for her yeah but she- whoa sorry yeah that, w- that was just the thing that like i was like what the hell is that because if the distance becomes random and she's going like she's coming back to me like i i can understand seeing that and believing that but from an outside perspective and having you know gone to church when i was younger the the reasoning for sitting in specific locations is your friends there mm-hmm yeah. And I never really went to church. I went to church like once or twice. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I never really put myself in the position of being at church and why I would sit where. But that is such a good perspective. Thank you. Okay. Let's keep that. I guess. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. That, that is very interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. So after the church service, uh, at this church at least, there's like a little coffee sort of get together where you just i guess congregate talk have some coffee oh damn this is the best and phoenix said that she didn't want coffee so she would be in the car and asked goldia not to be too long Mm -hmm. so goldia goldia was like okay i'll just finish up my coffee and then we'll head out so she did that finished her coffee headed back to the car and when she approached the car she saw that Phoenix was in there and that there was this envelope on the passenger seat and Goldia was going to get in the car, just pick it up to move it out of the way. But Phoenix grabbed it and shoved it in the glove compartment. And during the drive, when they're leaving the church, Goldia said that Phoenix told her she wanted to get back to the way things used to be. And Phoenix didn't really elaborate too much on what exactly that meant but she did suggest that they bond by reading a book at the end at the end of each chapter they could get together and sort of discuss it like their own little book club Mm -hmm. and goldia agreed she thought that was a great idea and she asked phoenix to choose the book and phoenix chose the pilgrim's progress and to goldia that was an odd choice because they both already read it um goldia read it previously like when she was younger and then when she was homeschooling phoenix she made phoenix read it in like one of the high school grades Mm -hmm. so she was like it's weird we already read it and phoenix said that she wanted to reread it now that she was older and maybe she'd like it more understand it more and so they agreed that they would start the next day which is monday the 19th that's interesting because the only the time that i read um books again specifically or when i feel like there's a theme that i recall and i'm going through something that i know that it specifically speaks to Mm -hmm, same i usually don't reread books unless exactly what you said Mm -hmm. so i just googled it because i've never heard of the pilgrim's progress and i i looked it up obviously when i was doing the research but i forgot to put it in the notes um it is called the pilgrim's progress from this world to that which is whoa okay the pilgrim's progress from this world to that which is to come and it's a 1678 christian allegory written by a man named john bunyan and it is regarded as one of the most significant works of theological fiction in english literature and a progen prodigent 
pro progenitor and a progenitor of the narrative aspect of Christian media. Okay. All right. Well, you know, if we've got listeners out there who could tell us what progenitor means, that'd be lovely. So, uh, um, okay. I wasn't ready for, uh, a 15th century. Yeah. 15th century novel. Six, 17th century? 17th century, yeah, sorry. 17th century novel. Yeah, yeah. The major theme of which is the cost of salvation. As Christian's journey proves, the road to heaven is not easy. The cost is great, and the true Christian must be willing to pay the cost no matter what. Man is full of sin, but this does not keep him from attaining glory. So the book's Okay. Called. They are a very religious family, remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Pretty heavy reading material. Yeah, no kidding. And that's that was the book she chose. And yeah, Goldia was like, weird. We already read it. And it was more for you as your schooling. But whatever. Fine. We'll read that. Mm -hmm. So um, they continued their sort of errands for the day. They arrived at Aldi's, which is a grocery store. They shopped around. Goldia noticed Phoenix was on the phone at one point. But she was kind of like away from her. So she didn't know who she was talking to or what she was talking about. But she was definitely on the phone. Mm -hmm. They checked out and they headed home. On the drive home, Goldia noticed that Phoenix was driving what she said crazy. She seemed very irritated. And Goldia thinks it has something to do with the phone call that she had in the grocery store. Okay. When they got home, Phoenix was still like irritated, kind of like pissy you know like slamming doors she was slamming the car doors she was kind of snippy and goldia was like basically you're being disrespectful here i'm telling lawrence how you're behaving okay <laughs> and lawrence just yeah. talked to her like what's what's going on here behaving kind of shit right now um you've upset your mother go apologize to her so phoenix apologized to goldia like sorry I didn't mean to be all pissy or whatever. And they hugged and Goldia went up to her room and Phoenix went outside to shoot some hoops. This is going to be a story with so many unknowns, isn't there? Oh, yes. Okay. So at one point, Goldia looked out her bedroom window and saw that Phoenix was just outside shooting hoops, running around with the basketball. And she just kind of looked out the window and admired her because she thought she looked like a kid again. Just out there in like her sweatpants, sweater, just, just having a ball, yeah. shooting hoops on her own. And that was the last time that Goldia saw Phoenix. Oh. Mm hmm And in the interview with Goldia, she is like a very um, confident, well-spoken, just strong woman, you can tell. Mm -hmm. And then at this point when she was like remembering this and that was like the last time she saw her that's when you can like just see it in her face and she starts to like tear up and stuff and yeah i just understandable the only that's at least they hugged the last time she talked to phoenix she was saying like sorry that i'm in a bad mood whatever and they hugged and made yeah up. yeah there's not i'm not getting a sense of any <clears throat> of those like I i'm sure a million things run through your head but i don't think that she'd be within reality to say that there was a uh, bad blood from no, that from that point. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. But and if it is God. the last memory you have yeah. of your kid, yeah, you don't want it to be 
her in a bad mood slamming doors and making whatever mm-hmm. a tantrum whatever you want to call it and then either just kind of like ignoring her or being like go to your room or get out of here go do something mm-hmm. at least it was like hug and make up cool let's go about our day yeah so around 2 30 p.m phoenix grabbed her car keys she got into her black 1998 chevy blazer um which was parked in the driveway she got in it turned it over and is idling there she was talking on her cell phone and then she backed out of the driveway and drove off so her father was watching her in the driveway from the window and that's how he knows that she got in sat there for a minute talked on the phone and then sped off mm-hmm and both her parents assumed that she was either going to the store, she was going to meet a friend on short notice, something like that. But they were a bit concerned because to them, it seemed like Phoenix was in a hurry. She was determined to get somewhere and didn't explain what she was doing, which was weird because she, they say that she was always just keeping them in the loop at least like, Hey, I'm heading out to a friend's house or I'm going to go to the store. Like they said. Mm-hmm. So it was weird that she kind of just snuck out, talked on the phone and then sped away. Mm-hmm. So Goldia, Goldia said, quote, Phoenix never left the house without saying something without saying, I'm going down the street. I'm going to the store. Phoenix was never one to leave the house like that. So they waited for a bit for her to return or reach out to them, whatever but they did not hear from her that night. Having heard nothing from Phoenix the next day either, Goldia called police. They came over to talk to Goldia and Lawrence and check out Phoenix's room for anything useful or anything out of place that would indicate where she headed off to. Mm -hmm. They found, the police found it weird how clean and tidy the room was because she's a 23-year-old university student yeah and goldia said that she had just straightened it up and like put fresh linens on the bed not thinking because she was hoping that phoenix would just come home and there would be a nice fresh bed for her and a clean room and she would didn't appearances are obviously very important to goldia so she didn't want police coming into her messy house Mm -hmm. and that's what she said and then Goldia even admits in the interview, like, I know how that looks. I could see how the cops were looking at me at like I was covering something up or hiding something. But it wasn't like that. I just wasn't thinking I'm a control freak, whatever. I cleaned up her room. Okay. And the police obviously were like, it's really weird. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they have to. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Ultimately, the police told Goldia and Lawrence that Phoenix is an adult. She's 23 years old. She can make her own decisions. She's allowed to go missing if she wants to. Uh, she doesn't have to tell anyone anything. And I mean, true. But, you know, Goldia is saying like, but it's unlike her and she's not answering. Yeah, there's a thing called pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was totally outside of it. So contacting the police at that point, at least, seemed useless to them. They weren't taking it seriously. They're saying she's an adult, whatever. So Goldia and Lawrence start doing what they think will help find Phoenix. On December 23rd or 24th, Goldia says it was either one of those dates. She doesn't really remember because it was just pandemonium. She put together an email and in the email she attached photos of Phoenix. She put in a description of her, what she was wearing the day she disappeared, her car, 
um, the car type, which is the 98 black Chevy Blazer, mm-hmm. the license plate, all of that. And she sent it out to her entire contact list. And she just put the subject as, um, quote, I need your help. My daughter is missing. And okay. just sent it out to everyone. On January 1st, 2012, a family friend called Goldia saying, like, oh, I hear Phoenix is missing. Like, what's going on? And Goldia tells him, like, she drove she drove off in her car. She disappeared. No one's heard from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, oh, what kind of vehicle does she drive? And what's the license plate? So Goldia tells him. And he's like, all right, let me see what I can find out. And hang up. And Goldia's like, whatever. It was odd. And it was like less than 15 minutes later. And this friend calls Goldia back. And he's like, oh, I found the car. Um, And okay. when Goldia is telling this in the interview, she said that at the time, she's her mind is in 5,000 places. Yeah, She's not really too fixated on Joe Blow that's calling her. Mm-hmm. But she said that after that phone call, there was like something gnawing in the back of her head for like days or weeks. And she would always... Be like trying to like talk it through with Lawrence being like so something so weird about that like why is it bothering me why is it bothering me and she said that it was like one of those moments when you're like half asleep and then you just like wake up with with the reason of why it's bothering you and she said it's been two weeks at this point that my kid is missing and no one can find her car no one can find her buddy calls me back in less than 15 minutes like oh I found it Mm-hmm. She's like, that's fucking weird. She doesn't swear. She's a very proper lady, but I can't help it. Yeah, well, we're not her. <clears throat> yeah, that's. And she's like, who, how the, f- if you found it in less than 15 minutes, meanwhile, her and her t- entire like little brigade she has working on this mm-hmm. can't find it. Like, he obviously already knew. Yeah, well, yeah. And it, no matter what, you need to be wondering why the fuck he was able to find it in 15 minutes and <clears throat> how he found it. And, who the fuck, like, how how much time passed before she clued in and went, wait a minute? Because, like, I what I'm wondering is, like, so he, ca- he called and said, oh, I found the car. After Yeah, less than 15 minutes after. He's like, what? did she what? say? Phoenix is, mi- well, she was, she was just overwhelmed. Like, what? You fucking found the car? This is amazing. Let's go and get that car. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she just didn't really think about it in that moment. She just totally was overridden by the fact that we found the car let's go lawrence let's go find the car like let's get it yeah but she said it was like kind of after that after they had the car the sort of high of getting the car in their possession again wore off that she was like listening to that voice in the back of her head that's like why is it so weird though like what's so weird about this Mm -hmm. because sometimes you just do have that little gut feeling that's like hey listen to me and yeah. she said that I don't know exactly how long it was. I think it might have been a little while. And she was like, wait, 15 minutes? Less than 15 minutes? So he obviously knew this whole time where the car was. Yeah. And she said that he would have been on the contact in her contact list in the email that she had sent out to everyone two weeks before. So she's like, he's definitely in my contact list. So he, if he saw the email, he would have... A, already known she was missing. B, had a description of the car, including the license plate. Yeah. So she does talk a lot about how um, people 
get close to her during this whole time that her kid is missing to kind of like be in the limelight a bit. So she's wondering if he had two weeks to locate the car and then kind of wanted to come through as this hero. And she that's what she thinks. Yeah. Because she's like, he's on the email list. He definitely would have seen the email. Also, he's like, he's not like a really, really close family friend, but he is a family friend. So he's acquainted with the family and people around them. So there's no way he didn't hear that Phoenix is missing. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely heard that. It didn't take him two weeks. Yeah. Then there's like people who are like, oh, well, it was around Christmas time. So maybe he really didn't. But it's just. It's, this is what, yeah. It's, it's weird. God damn it, don't you wish you had a read receipt? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, who the fuck uses a read receipt? If someone but, fucking asks, like, when I get an email for work or something and they want a read receipt, I ignore that shit. I say no. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely like, not. Get the fuck, fuck out of here. I'll respond when I respond. Yeah. So that is just something that is so bizarre about it. She... I don't think really questioned him further on it because it took her a bit to realize why it bothered her. And she did say this statement in the same breath that she was talking about people essentially trying to capitalize off of Phoenix being missing. Mm -hmm. Um, Bad reporting, people whose intentions are questionable. And she, I think, was insinuating that this family friend wanted to be in the limelight as a hero. Does this sit right with you? No. It doesn't sit right with me either. But we'll keep talking about it. This is another thing we can kind of put a pin in. Okay. Because nothing sits right with me with this. This whole thing is just a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. So well, let me uh, look at my little notes here. Okay. So they uh, talk to that family friend. They get the car. Um, we'll find out where the car is anyway. So Phoenix left her parents' home between like 2.30 and 3 p.m. on that Sunday, the 18th of December. Mm-hmm. And at 5.27 p.m., so between three and two and a half hours later, the car that Phoenix was driving was found deserted on the corner of 9th Street and St. Clair Avenue in East St. Louis, Illinois at 5.27 p.m. So the car was found. If We'll just say 3 p.m. to make it easy. Mm -hmm. The car is found two and a half hours after she's disappeared. Okay. East St. Louis, Illinois, is, it sounds like so far, because we're talking about Spanish Lake, Missouri, the car's found in Illinois, but they're like bordering towns okay it's like 15 miles away 25 minute drive pretty close Mm -hmm. but it is in another state and the car was simply impounded as quote abandoned by police at 6 23 p.m so just over three hours since phoenix has disappeared the car is impounded okay frustratingly goldia who is the registered owner of the vehicle was never notified that her car was impounded as abandoned. That's wild. Her insurance card was in the car. It has her full name, her address, everything. But she never heard about this. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about East St. Louis. Even though it is pretty close, 15 miles away, 25-minute drive, whatever. Um, 
Goldia was actually from East St. Louis. She was born and raised there. She said that in the 50s when she was a kid and growing up, that it was a really lovely all-American town. But since then, it's gone downhill. Okay. So I looked it up because I was like, well, I want to know. Yeah. It's gone downhill. Today, East St. Louis has one of the highest homicide and violent crime rates in the country. Okay. So in all of America. Yep. It's on the FBI's 100 most dangerous cities list. And it's perceived by many to be, quote, America's most dangerous city. Yeah, I think this was actually around the area where I remember my dad went to this, used to go to the States a lot for work. And he got pulled over by a cop because he stopped at a stop sign. <laughs> oh, wow. They're like, what are you doing? You're trying to be really the, in the, really good in the law's books, huh? The, well, no, the cop literally pulled over. He's like, you're not around here, are you? Oh. And my dad was like, no. And he's like, you don't stop on these stop signs. You roll them. Were they, was it like rural roads? Uh, they, he was, he was in like kind of a rougher part of town. This isn't a rougher part of town. Yeah. And yeah. So the cop was like, obviously you're lost. Like, let me rolling stop, buddy. You don't want anyone to be able to approach your window. Do you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, creepy. Yeah. I think that was St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember him. I forget when the St. Louis blues won the cup. I think, I think it was St. Louis blues, but yeah. Because I remember we had to come home and tell my mom, like, yeah, some lady kissed me because they won. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, it was one of those things. My mom's like, whatever. And he's like, I just would have felt bad not telling you. Yeah, I just had to tell you. She's like, yeah. whatever. I know you're lying. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that was that was around the time where the cop pulled him over and was like, mm-mm, don't stop here. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Hard mm-mm. That is a little different than this area because it is such an impoverished city it has little funding of anything and there's like hardly any police presence so that's the one difference in your story from this one it's that bad yeah so it's yeah and i went on my favorite thing about google maps is that you can change the date so like pictures of this area on google maps if you just like straight up looked at it it doesn't seem that bad but if you go and change the date of when there would be photos, satellite photos available. And you go back to around the time that Phoenix has disappeared. It's rough. I had no idea you could do that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's how I get like really good info about these places. Because the photos do update once in a while. So I get right in there on street view. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. mentally noted. That's fucking you, sick, actually. I'll show you how to do it after. Okay, thank you. It's really fun. It's like going into a time capsule. So that's a little bit about East St. Louis. So this is the area we're dealing with. This is where the car is found abandoned. Mm -hmm. So two weeks after Phoenix disappears is when Goldia finds out that the car has been impounded. Meanwhile, the car was impounded less than three hours after she disappeared. So literally the car has been sitting there for two weeks untouched. No one knows it's in there, apparently. Meanwhile... Like Goldia has been doing anything and everything that she can think of to find some trace of her daughter. And the car has just been fucking sitting there in this impound lot. And if the family friend didn't call to be a hero or to give info, whatever the fuck his motive was, who knows how long it would have been sitting there. Mm -hmm. So Goldia said, quote, I just wish those police had done what they were supposed to do by running those plates and seeing that the vehicle was registered to me. All they had to do was call and say, hey, do you know where your vehicle is? 
but she just never was notified in any way. Yeah, whose responsibility is it to notify? Because someone's got to notify them. I really... I thought it was the city. In this case, it's the police that had it impounded. And I really don't know if a vehicle being towed, impounded, whatever, is, you know, a specific to jurisdiction, state, province, whatever. I don't know if I have to notify you or if they would just take it away, but... You, I feel like there would be some sort of notification because if you didn't notify anybody, then your lot would just keep getting full. Yeah, for sure. Someone has to fucking notify you. It's bizarre, right? And yeah. this never, even if you're not notified, like, officially, you get, like, some sort of fucking thing in writing or whatever, like, she was never contacted in any way. Mm-hmm. And if they even just looked at, the registration in the vehicle, the insurance card, saw the name. Phoenix is a missing person. It's 15 miles away. It's not on the other side of the fucking world. Yeah. The last name's Match. Yeah. The address is probably Match. If there's... Because you know how there's really boring jobs in the government? Yes. So there's obviously a really boring job where someone's going to have to be responsible for legislating this kind of crap. Mm Mm-hmm. How is this not the fucking situation where you go, Jesus Christ, this was a missing person's case. This is essentially the worst case scenario for not having a rule that says you have to you have to notify scan the, the owner. Plate. Yeah. And there has to be a penalty if you don't. I don't know. I know. But anyway, I, I don't want to go on a tangent. I don't know enough about it. But Goldie is saying that the police didn't notify. So no one notified her. Fucking... The impound lot didn't notify her or contact her. The police didn't contact her. No one contacted her. And the other thing, too, is like, I it still blows my mind that the, I know it's complicated, but in the States, when police departments, you know, when they sometimes work in a fucking silo? Yeah, they And yeah, your kind of like often. mind is blown that they don't have like. The communication is so poor. Yeah. Like, even when they like run like databases and stuff where it's like, okay, missing person, car this whatever like that it's not something that pops up if someone says like i'm impounding this car that the fucking system goes this car belongs to a missing person or this car belongs to a relative of a missing person Mm -hmm. like shit like that blows my mind because like how is it that we're like so advanced in all the shit we do like our entertainment is is so fucking advanced you know facebook can tell us what our fucking interests are before we even know it and yet we don't have a, a system for the police to be able to be like missing person, relative of missing person. Yeah, it just comes this. up as a hit, like a little flag of like, oh, Colden, interesting. There's a missing person of the last name Colden. Why are they sharing? Would you it? like to dismiss this as irrelevant? Anything? Yo, like, why aren't they sharing it? Like I don't that, know. like, it's just too sophisticated. And I, yeah, I, I think don't about buy even it, how though. the government here works. Yeah. Like they're from 1981. But in fair, yeah, I know. But in fairness, and I know this is only my experience, when I contacted police for Peel saying, I got a problem with someone else in a different region, they went through their database and they flagged that guy and was like, yeah, we know him. And then within a few hours, they were knocking on that guy's door. Mm-hmm. And so, like, either I'm very, fu- I'm probably very fortunate, but. At the same time, I guess it also just depends on what kind of cop you get, how much due diligence they're willing to do, and what kind of departments are involved. Like Peel and Halton, or Peel and like, for example, like Hamilton are gonna have a close relationship. Peel and uh, I don't know something up north, 
Like, yeah. Like maybe Bay. not. Yeah. Maybe Thunder Bay. Like it's uh, questionable. <laughs> but, you don't know. Why, right. Why are, is this the wrong number? Yeah. Is this the wrong number? Do you guys have any? Have you ever seen a moose? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> That's a different tangent. Yeah. But... Have you ever seen a horse? I was yeah. like, okay, fuck me then, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> I was really excited. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, we get. I got pulled over once and we Brianna asked the cop that question. We were in we were outside Thunder Bay. I know it's so far up north. And I was just trying to be nice to the cop because he didn't give you a ticket, did he? Yes, he did. Oh, damn it. Well, (laughs) yeah, he did. Because you were really speeding, though. I was yeah, I mis- I misread the sign. You're flying. You're going like forty or fifty and it was over. Like twenty. It was like nineteen hours into a twenty-four hour road trip. I know. So I was just like, he was like asking where we're from and stuff, and um, I said, "Have you ever seen a moose?" And he just looked at me and was like, "Have you ever seen a horse?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, like that, but a moose." And then after we were driving away, and I was like, that guy was a dick. And you were like, yeah. well, you did ask him if he saw a moose, and we're in Thunder Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was a nice little tangent. Yeah. All righty. So, Goldia and Lawrence, mm-hmm. they now know where the car is. So, they reach out to the East St. Louis police, and they say, yo, uh, we know where our car is. We want to retrieve it. So they head down there to East St. Louis. They meet up with the police and the police tells Goldia that, you know, it's just been sitting there for two weeks. There's no inventory sheet for the vehicle. None had been created because when the police had reported that the car was left as abandoned, there was no personal items inside. So there wasn't anything suspicious about it and they didn't inventory anything. And then Goldie is like, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, give me my fucking car. So she goes through the car. Her and Lawrence go through this car that is supposedly empty with no personal belongings. And they search it themselves. And it's fucking littered with personal belongings. A lot of which belong to Phoenix, including her reading glasses, her purse, and her driver's license. Okay, so like the definition of not emptied. And the definition of very personal belongings. Yeah. Um, and there was no no envelope in the glove compartment. Okay. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay, so someone... Who the fuck wrote that it was emptied? The police. I don't like that. No. So, Goldie and Lawrence, they're beyond frustrated at this point because just of how mishandled this vehicle has been and that if they'd known where the car was then they would have had this immediate start to finding out what happened to phoenix instead there's this two-week delay you have this weird family friend who obviously has known more about where the vehicle was you have these police who are saying we didn't do any sort of inventory on the sheet the impound like the tow company they didn't do any sort of inventory on the car or tow sheet or anything no one is doing any sort of due diligence it's very frustrating they have no answers they feel like no one is taking it seriously and the biggest thing is that there's this two-week delay yeah if they had just known the car had been abandoned the two and a half hours after it was they would have had such a head start this is so irritating it is such a 
cluster. It's a clusterfuck, and it's just man, it's just been boggling inside my brain for yeah, a week. Yeah, it it's just pissing me off because it's like something something stinks the fucking high. It heaven. stinks in here. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. It's fucking reeks. Something's not fucking right. Hey everyone, Dyson here jumping in once again to let you know that this is where we're going to leave things off for this week. As a reminder, don't forget to tune in next week for the rest of this story. And as a reminder, please don't forget to check out the show notes with some important information about this episode, as well as some information about our show, where you can find us on the internet, on Instagram, and on Twitter. As always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. I didn't say anything. <laughs> you fucking called me out on it. I love it. Goldia. Anyway, Goldia married Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence Colden. <laughs> what? <laughs> Try to be serious. We're going to have to put this in the bloopers, aren't we? Yeah, this is definitely a blooper. Oops, trying to David Spade laughing. My friend thinks you're cute. What's his name? Lawrence. Uh, oh my god, I wish people could see your face. I'm crying. I'm crying. Lawrence and Craig, what do you think? <laughs> stink face and doing like at your throat and you're like cutting like no 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 cut that cut that like you're like fuck no he's doing that <laughs> I was drinking wine out of the bottle <laughs> what I'm broken <laughs> this is the bloopers alright alright